morning, church. Let us celebrate God and worship in His name so we can sing His praises this morning.
Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord.
Well, good morning, church. Why don't you guys have a seat for a second? Uh, my name is Brandon, and uh, we are actually going to uh, have a quick moment to talk about missions. So as you guys know, we're in the month of missions. So for the rest of the month, we are going to be having a missions moment where you hear a little bit about each trip and uh, what God has done in the past or what God can do going forward. So this is Stan here. He's, uh, he's one of our Morning. veteran Mexico uh, missionaries. Uh, he's, he's gone with the high school team for, for quite a while. And so I have a couple questions for you, Stan, uh, if you, if you want to answer for our, our church here. So sure. first of all, how long have you been going to Mexico with the high school team? This year will be my ninth year. Ninth year. Going on Mexico mission trips. Amazing. When was your, what year was your first trip? Do you remember? I believe that would have been like 2015 when awesome. our boys were in uh, just going into high school. Fantastic. And Stan, what um, what was some what are some things that you saw God do in those nine in those nine trips? Like, what are some highlights that you saw God moving um, in that during during those times? Yeah. So even before we leave, there's the anticipation of what's going to take place. You know, we're uh, doing our fundraising meals, and all the high school students are getting involved and participating and then when we get down there it's like for some kids it's like this is what i expected and others it's like whoa i had no idea this is what yeah. we were going to be able to uh you know come and help with in, in this environment yeah. and i would say probably the most impactful thing is you know just the time that we have yeah. ourselves to just pray and spend time together right and uh and worshiping we have a little you know time of worship each night and yeah those are exciting times that's fantastic and uh one last question for you stan why should people sign up for mexico this year why should they sign up uh, you know there's probably some people on the fence i know i've talked yeah. to a few people on the fence what's that yeah. advice you would give them to push them over that fence so you know it's real easy just to go well i have a week off of school i don't i'm not going to do anything i'm just going to sit around and veg spend time on social media whatever uh, I really want to encourage uh, high school students just to not do that. Yeah. Get out of their comfort zone. Do yeah. something that they wouldn't think that they would be able to do. Yeah. Uh, come join other high school students that are really going to have an impact on another community, and you'll see the change. Yeah. Awesome, Stan. Well, thank you so much for that, guys. Uh, again, we are going to Mexico in April, April 1st to the 5th. We will have information on that back table. Uh, we also have an informational meeting this Thursday at 6 p.m. So if you have uh, uh, kids that you guys drop off at Awana, you can drop them off. Come see us and hear more about Mexico. We need adult volunteers. And so we really want to encourage you guys to sign up. You can hear more about that later today. So why don't we stand back up? We're going to continue our time in worship and uh, just give glory to God. Let's do Clear this hope, church. Knowing that he's over everything. He came from glory, took on flesh to save the lost. Grace and mercy displayed upon the cross our redemption. He's the hope for all mankind. One name over everything, one name over everything, help me out church, and Jesus
Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, Camarillo Community Church on this beautiful Super Bowl Sunday morning. You made the right choice. You came to church before the big game today. You're going to go home. You're going to make whatever you're making, the steaks, the porterhouses, the the ribeyes, my favorite, the tri-tip. You're going to put some in a Tupperware container for your pastor later and then drop it on by. Uh, We are excited to see you. My name is David Hurtado. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new to us, if you're watching online, welcome. If you're outside, welcome. If you're in the video venue, thank you for your humility and uh, and allowing us to try to uh, reach this next generation with a certain preference and and ambiance and a fullness of sound. So thank you, we love you, we appreciate you. Uh, Super Bowl starts at 3.30 today. Uh, and uh, hopefully you're planning to watch it. We have um, a planned an emergency prayer meeting at 2.30. We would love for you to come back, pray for your favorite team, pray for your pastor, because if the 49ers lose, he's gonna need a sabbatical. And so I posted, if you saw my Facebook post this morning, I said, uh, uh, please pray for my family, a significant day for my son. He's fine, but he's never seen the 49ers win the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, for his sake, and his sake alone, I'm asking for prayers. Think of the children. The children, the children, the children who need to see their team. We've invited some people over to, to watch the game with us. We have let them know on no uncertain terms that if they root for the enemy, they will be excommunicated from our home. And in true biblical style... We will uphold that. I can keep on going. Uh, <laughs> I really, I have, like, I have my, my 49er shoes on, my 49er watch on. I have a 49er license plate. I have 49er flags on my car. If you go to my tire and need to pump it up with air, there's a 49er logo on the valve stem of the tire. When you park in my garage, it says 49er fans only parking. I have a 49er flag outside of my house, so now you know where I live. And, uh, you know, it's just an idol of mine. So... That was a joke, it's not, it's not necessarily, uh, not one that I would admit to anyway. And so, welcome, we're so glad that you're hanging out with us today. It is the month of missions. Uh, I like to call it the month of mission because we're on a mission. Uh, last week I was in Cozumel with my son on a cruise and so thank you so much for Brandon and Jacob really, whenever they fill in, they do such a great job. Brandon in particular, such a heart for missions. I mean, I was watching on my cruise on my phone, it's amazing what you can do with online, right? And uh, I'm watching him and man, did you hear him get choked up at times as he talked about going for Christ and the cause of Christ and I just think there's nobody better in our team to deliver that message in, than for Brandon. So get off Brandon. Great job last week doing that. We are plugging missions this month, and it's the month of mission because we are on a mission, and we want you to go on the mission. I want to be very clear. Let me, let me be very clear. We believe God is calling some of you in this room either to Africa, Mexico, or Romania. Like, you're going to go for us. Uh, and some of you are perfectly thinking about this, and, and because of that challenging message last week, I had somebody tell me, I believe God called me to go to Africa because of what we're doing here at CAMCC. We want you to, in full clarity, pray, give, and go. Those are the three action items for the month. Pray about it. Pray for the team that's going. Pray for our church. Pray for those ministry endeavors. Give, because we need monies to make this happen. We, we estimate somewhere around $60,000 to make all of it happen. Now, God brings that in every year, and somehow it comes in, but we ask you to give and be a part of that, to resource that, and then go. That's the big push this year. Go. 
Like, we want you to go. Uh, even Brandon, so I had a family come to me. Well, my, I don't have any kids in high school, but we want to go to Mexico. Can we go? I said, talk to Brandon. Brandon said, we'll take you. And so we'll figure out a way. We'll give you something to do uh, while you're there. I think they're going to be uh, uh, checking out, in addition to what building a home, they're going to be uh, checking out, um, uh, what do they call those things? Orphanage. Thank you. I've lost the words. And so what we're going to do, uh, I need to be full clarity here because last week we had people who misunderstood. Uh, we're asking you to give, and when you give, we'll give you a sticker, and then you place the sticker on the, the big poster of the world, and it's if symbolically you're saying, I'm giving because I want to see God do something in Mexico, or I want to see God do something in Romania, or I want to see God do something in Africa. So you go, you give, and as a token of your gift, we give you a sticker and you place it on the map. Does that make sense? So some of you took the sticker and went home with it. That's like stealing from the baby Jesus. So <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Give plates a sticker. Did I just say that? I did. Here we go. Super Bowl Sunday. All right, with that, we need to get to the message. You guys ready? We're going to keep on going in first, uh, first almost said first Corinthians, and first Samuel chapter 25. The year is 1997. I'm about to complete my freshman year of college at the Masters University, a small private Christian Bible school where I would begin my training for the ministry. My roommate decided to play a prank on me. He thought it'd be funny towards the end of the year, play the prank on me, and so he took underarm deodorant and he put it on my toothbrush. Yeah, gross, right? I was wondering why there was a salty, soapy, dry sensation when I was brushing my teeth with water and witnesses. Pretty disgusting. About a week later, he came to me and he, and he said, you probably shouldn't use that toothbrush anymore. Here's a new toothbrush, very kind of him. And uh, here's a replacement toothbrush. I put deodorant on your toothbrush and so you don't want to use that anymore. His name was Quincy Lima and his body was later found in a nearby ravine. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't. But I did find a way to get him back. I took his toothpaste, and you know the two of two, you can blow them up, and they blow and expand. And then I took his shampoo, and I put it inside the toothpaste, and then I screwed it back on, and I squished it all together. And that sucker had, you know, shampoo for toothpaste for the next two weeks himself. Probably not the best way to handle conflict, I know. But it felt so dang good at the time. I'm not sure why pranks and Christian universities go together like hand and glove, but they do. Probably because we had no cell phones, we had no cable, we had no TV, we had no internet. Uh, you know, some 25 years ago was dial-up. And so, uh, you know, the best you could do is barely useful for email. And so we need to entertain ourselves. And so we would prank each other in, in, in ways to entertain ourselves there was another time, there was a gal in the Hotchkiss dorm, and she was on the female wing of the Hotchkiss dorm. There's a male and female side to Hotchkiss. And uh, she decided that she was going to prank the male side of Hotchkiss. And she had this uncanny ability to have her voice sound like a 12-year-old girl. And so she would call them in their dorm rooms and be like, Daddy, 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 I need a ride. It's cold outside. It's rainy. It's wet. And they'd be like, oh, I think you got the wrong number. Don't play games with me, Dad. That's not funny. And, and, and then, no, 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 I think you got the wrong number. Like, what number are you going? I know my dad's phone number. I know exactly whose number it is. I'm going to tell Mom. And if you don't come in 15 minutes, I'm going to freeze and hang up. You know? And she would do this throughout the whole, the whole, and then she'd start crying, and she'd develop the story. And, and you know, this is a, like a Christian university, so these guys are like really concerned for this. Look, I'm really concerned for I want to help you find your dad, but I'm not your dad. And then she'd keep on going. And, you know, finally, as they talked to each other, they realized that it was all a prank because they're all getting the same phone call. 
So they put their minds together and, and, and you know, investigatively found out who it was that was doing this, and they went and they raided her room, took everything out of her room, so it was like the day she moved into her room, all there was left was a, was a mattress. Um, and they left their list of demands. We want you to audio tape a recording of yourself apologizing for each phone call that you made, and until you do so, we're gonna keep all your belongings. Uh, this girl, pretty stubborn at heart, was like, no, I'm not doing that. A week later goes by, she's wearing her friend's clothes because she's like, that nothing, but she refuses to comply to this whole situation. And so the guys say, okay, we'll take it up a notch, and they took her clothes, they put it on themselves, took pictures of themselves, and sent pictures of themselves in her clothing to her with little notes saying, if you will just comply with an audio recording, apologizing, we'll give you your clothes back. She quickly went to Kinko's and took those pictures and blew them up into posters. <laughs> Put them all over campus, all over campus. So if you're walking to the, to the, to the mess hall, you're gonna see a big picture everywhere you go. And all these guys you know, you know, are running around the campus trying to take down, you know, before trans was trans. Like they, anyway. Probably not the best way to handle conflict, but the way they handle it nonetheless. I think the school administration finally had to step in to end World War III with a treaty between these guys and this gal so that she can get her belongings back. Today we're gonna to look at a more biblical way of dealing with conflict, and hopefully give us a guide to a better approach. Uh, what is the greatest, your greatest weapon in conflict resolution? And who is your greatest support? What is the biblically blessed approach towards conflict resolution, and what is God's role in it? What should you do in the midst of conflict resolution, and what does God do on our behalf? For that, I'd love for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 25, very practical today in nature, uh, the theme of our passage. We're still in chapter 25. We'll look at verses 14 to 35 together. If you have your Bible, hold it up in the air because you believe the Word of God and you want to change your life. Absolutely great. Glad you brought it with you. Open it up. If you have your, uh, your, your phone and you have a Bible in there, that's still good because you can highlight there and transfers on your computer. I get all that. Do that too. Get there with us. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 14 through 35 together, and the overarching question is, what would be a biblical strategy towards conflict resolution? We're looking at a biblical strategy now towards conflict resolution. What is the biblical strategy or a biblical strategy for conflict resolution? The first thing we're gonna see is, if you will allow yourself to humble yourself in the midst of these situations, you'll find it to be your greatest weapon What's the biblical approach? Allow humility to be your greatest weapon. You're in the midst of some friction between you and your spouse, your coworker, somebody underneath you, somebody above you, somebody beside you. What is your greatest weapon? Allow humility to be your greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon. Now, before I dive into the text, I want to give you some context because it's been a couple weeks since we've been here. Uh, what we have on the scene right now is David has done this service for this guy named Nabal. Uh, and really, Nabal is kind of a shrewd business guy, and he sends his, his, uh, his farm and, and his farm workers to kind of reside right next, close to in proximity to David and his 600 men. And he does so because he knows that nobody's going to attack his farm if they're next to a, a warrior troop of 600 people. And, and, and so the whole idea is how do we get this farm of animals to uh, the harvest time or the shearing time, because that's when you make money. 
And the more animals that we can keep from point A to point B, the more, you know, um, obviously financially um, helpful it is if you don't lose any animals along the way. So we don't want raiders to come in. We don't want animals to come in. We don't want anything to, to hurt our flock of animals. And so he sends his you know, group of uh, animals right next to David and his men where they're at. And then finally it comes time to shearing season and they don't lose an animal. And now it's time when you do this, it's like harvest season. Now you start doing out payment. Uh, for my uh, sheep herders, I give this. For this. And, then, and then customarily, if somebody provided you protection, you would give them as well. They get a share, so to speak, in the whole thing. And so David sends word to Nabal and says, hey, we provided you a service. Uh, we're living in the wilderness, running away from Saul. We could use some resources. Would you be willing to provide us some resources? And Nabal says, no. And that's where we pick up the story. Let's look at verse 14 together. It says this. But one of the young men told Abigail, that's Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed them, or he railed at them. And yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything, none of our animals, when we were in the fields, as long as we were with them. He actually provided us with protection is the idea. And they were a wall to us both night and day, and all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master, Nabal, and against his entire house, and he's such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail, his wife, made haste and took 200 loaves and, and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sheaves of parched grain and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys and she said to her young men go before me and behold I will come after you but she did not tell her husband Nabal and as she rode on the donkey and as they came down under the cover of the mountain behold David and his men came down towards her and she met them and now David said surely in vain I've guarded all this fellow all this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all of you, of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground, and she fell at his feet and said, me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal, his name, uh, is his name, and folly is with him. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we learned that his name actually means fool. But I, your servant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent, and now then, Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Let them be fools. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house 
because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies shall be shall sling out as though a hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to the good that he has spoken concerning you and appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt with my Lord, then remember your servant." What would be a biblical approach towards conflict resolution while allowing humility to be your greatest weapon would be a great approach in any kind of conflict resolution. Allow humility, placing yourself underneath proper subordination, humble yourself in the process and you will find more victory in conflict than you can imagine. They say behind every good man is a greater, wives? Woman, yeah. Behind every good man is a greater woman, and here we find a greater woman behind an evil man. Abigail, in relationship to her husband, Nabal. Abigail hears that her husband's servants um, had had this interaction with, or watched this interaction between Nabal and David and his servants, and she quickly formulates a plan to run interference. He railed them or reviled them, depending on your, your translation in verse 17, the definition of which is to treat with contemptuous language. In his greed, he wanted to receive their services for free. No doubt in my mind, he said, hey, listen, sheep herders, go over there, hang out right next to David. I never got into a formal business relationship with them, but I know if you just hang next to them, nobody's gonna steal our animals. And so go hang by them, and I can get those services for free. His greed overwhelms him, thinking that he's a shrewd businessman. However, his wife felt that David and his men were deserving of appropriate compensation, and apparently so did the entire house of Nabal, because they, they had this whole discussion with each other. Like, we can't go to him. He's worthless. He's wicked. He's He's a, 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 a person with no wits about him. So they go to his wife, you are sensible. Listen, he deserves to be compensated for what he's done. We need to do, think about this. We might need to do something about this because Nabal is a scoundrel, according to the NKJV. Literally worthless, wicked. No one could speak to him. That's why they went to Abigail instead. What do we do about this? She quickly gathers more than enough food. In fact, Nabal originally uh, described what he would pay his shepherds, and she describes an amount of food that's greater than that that she's going to give to David. She quickly runs to run interference for her husband. Without telling her husband, she comes up with 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five butchered sheep, 100 clusters of raisins, five bushels of roasted grain, 200 pressed figs. The latter items were items that didn't need to be stored uh, or that could be stored, which would be very helpful in a day and age where there was no refrigeration. So these were items that would be very helpful for somebody who was living in the wilderness. Uh, and she comes with those items and more so in order to appease David. 
The fact that she was able to gather all this food so quickly tells you how well off she was. Tells you how well off Nabal was and tells you how greedy he was because he wasn't willing to give anything. As for David, him feeling wronged in this, feeling cheated, feeling like he's paid back evil for good, he's resigned in himself to massacre every male in the household. If you have the KJV, the King James Version, there's actually a funny way that it's described. I won't mention it because it's not appropriate for our day and age, but go home and read that and it'll make you laugh. Anyway, and so he wants to massacre every male of that entire household. Apparently nobody has a KJV in here because nobody knows what I'm talking about. But you're wondering, go home and check it out. All right, and so her plan embodies proper respect and gentle admonishment. That's what we see in verses 20 through 31. She goes, I got a plan to, to win David over, and my plan is to come with proper respect and we revere him in the place that he deserves, subordinate myself underneath him, and I'm gonna gently admonish him to what is right. I'm gonna try to nudge him towards the right way of viewing this uh, whole situation. She begins with a petition of the utmost humility. You could call it extreme humility. She could have came at him uh, being a woman from a higher class, beautiful, rich, wealthy, privileged. She could have even came as an equal. But she doesn't do that. She says, I'm going to come underneath. I'm going to come as a humble servant, the very opposite of what her husband did. In fact, I wish you would go today, and write this in a note for yourself. I wish you'd go today, go home, and circle every time she says, my Lord, and count them. And circle every time she says, your maidservant, depending on your translation. Your servant, your hand servant is another way it's said. Find out how many times she says, you're my Lord and I'm your servant. And understand that when something is listed emphatically in the scripture, it's usually a big deal. Going out of her way, say, you're my Lord, I'm your servant. So I'm gonna come with extreme utmost humility. Well, let's list out her strategy. She runs interference, and, and, and the main way she runs interference is to say, hey, blame me, it's my fault. Maybe she's thinking, if he puts the blame on me instead of my husband, maybe he won't give me the punishment that he was gonna give my husband. Maybe he'd be kinder to me. It's my fault, I didn't see the servants. If the servants would've came to me, I would've ran interference earlier, you would've got your stuff. Blame me, it's my fault. I wish I would've seen them, I wish I could've been involved earlier. I'm the person that you have an issue with. She tries to run interference. She asks permission to speak to him. She bows to the ground, uh, fell, on, fell at his feet, face to the ground, extreme humility, permission to speak. Will you even talk to me? Number three, she appealed to the Lord. Thus far, the Lord has held you back from bloodshed. He's held you back from your own anger. Let's not forget that, that we're still in a place where you don't have to do what you're thinking about doing, taking out every man in the household. She asks for forgiveness. Pay attention, to the, don't pay no attention to this wicked man. His name means fool. Don't let that derail you, he is a fool. I'm asking forgiveness on his behalf. Look on me instead of him. Even though David is considering murder, she speaks to his character in high terms. Did you catch that? Hey, you're a good man, you're a man of God, you're gonna do the work of God. Uh, the house of God will prevail because you are a man of God. She could have said, hey, what you're gonna do right now is, is not right, it's wrong. 
But she doesn't do that. She takes a high road and, and almost like puffs up his ego a little bit. Hey, you're a good man. You love the Lord. I know that's true of you. Don't do this thing you're thinking about. That would not be congruent with the character that I know you have. She comes at him in a position below, revering him, even though he's thinking about doing something very negative. She reminds him that the Lord will make his house an enduring house. You can look past this temporary issue, can't you? God's the one who's gonna make your house an enduring house. He's the one who's behind you, he's for you. She asks him at the very end, would you consider the outcome of what you're thinking, the present course of action, would you consider, let, let, let not, don't, don't let yourself avenge your own, your own self, let God be your vengeance. Consider the outcome. You're supposed to represent God, and you're gonna be murderous this way, just because somebody made you mad? She reminded him how the Lord has come through for him before. She's very strategic here. You don't need to avenge yourself. You remember that whole Goliath thing and the sling and the stones? Your life has been saved from your enemies. Your enemies are doomed and your life is saved because God is on your side. You don't need to avenge yourself. You don't need to do anything. God will take care of all of it. In fact, when he does take care of Nabal, would you remember me? Because then I'm gonna have nothing once he's gone. I'm so sure that God will take care of this for you, David. You don't need to worry about it. As soon as my husband's gone, would you remember me? Because I'll be left on my own. She comes at David and has what I would label a crucial conversation. You guys ever heard of the book, Crucial Conversations? I will put it on the screen for you. I haven't done a book recommendation in a long time. Uh, there's a book called Crucial Conversations, and I, I believe we have it on the slide so you can mark down. Tools for, take, for, for talking when stakes are high. Tools for talking when stakes are high. It's a really, really good book. I wouldn't necessarily say that it comes from a Christian bent, but there's really, really conflict re a good conflict resolution material in this book. The one thing that I enjoy the most about the book is it, it talks about how you need to come to a place of mutual purpose. Um, in this you have your angle, I have my angle. Where can we mutually agree? Where is there mutual or common purpose, I like to call it? And that's what she does. She reveres him, and she reminds him of who he is in God, and reminds him how he needs to live according to that calling to be the leader that God wants, her to, wants him to be. She finds that mutual common purpose and she, she strikes at that. Says, let, 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 let me just remind you that, that, that uh, you know, God is involved here and, and so far he's kept you from bloodshed. Just think of it. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm asking can I speak. Uh, uh, I know your character. You're not a murderous person. Finding all these places of common ground. You're religious. I'm religious. You're going to be our king. Uh, you don't want to mar that. You don't want to have a black mark on your, on your history. Consider the outcome. Didn't God avenge you with Goliath? Why wouldn't he avenge you here? And she comes at this. Like, where, where's their common ground where we both can agree on? And she uses that strategy to woo David to a different direction. What a great example for us. Submission that speaks. Did you hear me? You're the king and you're headed towards your kingdom, but, and I'm subordinate to you in that position, but the submission that can still speak. Some of us find ourselves in a place of a submissive role and don't speak. Wives, according to scriptures, you are called to follow your husband but in that following of your husband, that doesn't mean that you have to be quiet. 
It just means to find the way you can submit and speak. Still speak at the same time while you follow the man that God's called you to follow. And by the way, there's a, another side of that for, this, for us men, and that is do we listen when there's wise counsel that comes from somebody who doesn't look like us, uh, somebody who is above us, below us, beside us, somebody other than ourselves? Submission that speaks sweetly and yet sharply. She points out to David that the God perspective, can I caution you right here? There is no wrong found in you. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35 says, Vengeance is the Lord. David, you must not avenge yourself. You must not use your own hand to avenge yourself. That is God's business, not yours. She disciples him, in a sense, towards the right decision. Well, I think the point is that humility is our greatest weapon, but understand that God becomes our greatest advocate, our greatest support. What, what would be a biblical strategy towards conflict resolution? Well, allow humility to, humility to be your greatest weapon. And number two, allow God to be your greatest support. Now she says, I'm gonna humble myself, say my peace, and I'm gonna leave it in God's hands. I'm gonna rank myself underneath, say my peace very kindly and subordinately, humbly, gently, and then I'm gonna leave it in God's hands. Allow God to be your greatest support. Let's look at that in verses 32 through 35. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your uh, discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. He's getting it. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you unless you had hurried and come to meet me truly by morning, not, uh, there had not been left one in Nabal's, not one male in Nabal's house. And then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, go in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, I have granted your petition. What would be a biblical strategy towards conflict resolution? Well, allow God to be your greatest support. Do your, say your peace, kindly, subordinately, humbly, let God do the rest. And here in this situation, God works in David's heart to see things from a different perspective. He actually thanks God, thanks Abigail, for the reminder. Blessed is your advice is the idea. You kept me from bloodshed, from avenging with my own hand, bringing about victory with my own hands. That's God's job to do, not my job to do. You kept me from this black, black mark on my leadership, which, by the way, uh, serves to, to highlight this notion that hurt feelings never justify disobedience. Your, your, your hurt feelings might be hurt justifiably, but that never justifies disobedience. Hurt feelings never justify disobedience. And that's what David's going. Okay, my feelings were hurt. This was wrong. I was wronged. But that doesn't just justify disobedience. Vengeance is still the Lord's. I need to let God do his thing. Thank you for coming. Otherwise, I would have left no man standing. That would have been bad news. I've granted your petition, taken your advice, praises her for her boldness. And how about David and his example of taking the counsel from a woman? Something some of us cannot allow ourselves to do. And yet, David says, I don't care where the counsel comes from. If it's godly counsel, I'm going to receive it. And does a great job of modeling that for ourselves and turning about face where he was going. Well, that brings us to the big idea, which is to say this. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. 
A gentle answer turns away. I think there is even a Bible verse that shares that sentiment somewhere, right? Now think about it. When considering her approach towards David, she's pretty strategic. I didn't tell you. I told you to go home and circle it. But 14 times she says, my Lord. Here you are. You're my Lord. Six times she says, my servant, your maidservant, your handservant. You're up here. I'm down here. 14 times. That's the greatness of her humility. Emphatically saying, I know who you are and I know who I am. I'm good with it. Complete humility. The opposite attitude of her husband, by the way. And then lets the Lord take it from there. She runs interference humbly and trusts that God will handle it from there. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Let me see if I can flesh this out on how this might um, work in our lives, in our everyday lives. I was about 15, 16 years old, I started going to church for the first time. And I started going to a youth group. And it was a youth group of about 25, 30 students. And we played a game called Bigger Better. Anybody ever played that game before? You ever heard of it? Anybody 30 years ago play? Yeah, Bigger Better, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a game where basically you all so you split your, your youth ministry up into five equal groups. You know, so for us it's like five people, a group, 25 kids. And each group could fit in a car. And uh, you'd all start off leave at the same point, and you'd all start off with like, I think we started off with like a plastic stapler, like a miniature plastic stapler. Remember those little miniature plastic staplers you could get with miniature staples, right? And, uh, and each group got a miniature one, maybe it's a different color, each one got a different color, but your job was to go out to the community, go to the surrounding areas right by your church, and go up to houses randomly, knock on the door and say, hey, I'm from Camarillo Community Church, and we're playing a game called Bigger and Better, I have the stapler. Do you have anything in your house that's bigger or better than the stapler? that you'd be willing to trade for me for this stapler. And then they would go and look at the house and they'd go, well, I got this, you know, VCR player. Great, I'll give you the stapler, you give me the VCR player. And then you'd go to the next house. Hey, I'm from, you know, Camarillo Community Church, we're playing bigger or better. I got this VCR, VHS player. Do you have something that's bigger or better? And then you would keep on going until there was a time cut off, and then you'd come back to the church, and then all five groups would present what they'd got, and whoever got the biggest and baddest thing would win. My group got a five-disc CD changer with a, with a, uh, with a randomizer. So any, any of the discs can, you know, like a, what do they call that? Shuffle. You know what I mean? Now, nobody knows what a CD is anymore, but back in those days, you need like $500 to get one of those suckers. They had five discs in there, and they would randomly play whatever song from each disc or whatever. It was awesome. I was sure we are going to win, you know. Nobody's got better than a five-disc CD changer. Um, for you kids, a CD is a circle thing. has a little thing in the middle played music on. Anyway, so we all get back to the church, and uh, only four of the five groups have something to present, which is kind of odd, which just means my team's going to win because we got the CD changer. And there was one group where they were kind of like, they had nothing, and then some of the girls were crying, and they seemed like they had a shocked look on their face. We're like, ah, whatever. I don't know what happened. Maybe got in a car accident or something, but I'm still presenting because we got a five-disc CD changer and somebody else had like a fire hose, but whatever, who cares? Nobody cares about fire hose. And so we presented and we declared a winner and whatnot and all was good. And then Brian Galloway, one of the leaders for that one group that didn't have an item, got up on the microphone and said, well, we don't have an item to share. We had actually something significant happen while we were out. We were going house to house just like the rest of you and we got to one house, knocked, got to the next house, knocked. And then somebody from a previous house that we knocked on, some kind of belligerent person came out, started yelling and screaming at us. Talking about how we're trying to disrespect him, disrespect his family, disrespect his house. And he took a gun out and he shot it in the air. 
this point, everybody's in shock, and Brian's looking at this guy, thinking, okay, how do I de-escalate this situation to get these kids back to the church safely? He says, I looked at the guy in the eyes, and I just said, hey, listen, there obviously must be some kind of miscommunication here. We mean you no disrespect. We mean your house no disrespect. We didn't, we're not trying to disrespect anybody. For any of that that may have come your way, I'm sorry. What I'm going to do right now is turn around and walk away. So he turned around and he walked away. He was able to get the guys back to the church, called the police. So weird. The police said, well, we have no other reports of hearing a gunshot, so we're not even going to investigate. So weird, but that's what happened. I remember going to Brian later and go, Brian, um, at any point when he turned around, did you feel like he was, you know, like, the, I feel like I'd be walking like, oh, right there, it's going to shoot me right there. You know, you know, didn't you feel like he was going to shoot you in the back? Like, oh, my shoulder blade, here it comes. And he said, no, no, Dave, I, I didn't feel any of that. Uh, I actually felt a peace and a calm from God. And the only thing that came come to my mind is that verse in Proverbs 15 that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. I just looked the guy in the eye and said, hey, listen, we don't mean any disrespect. All we're trying to do is just do this thing for the church. I'm going to turn around now. I'm going to leave. I won't let you be. A gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, I can't help but think that this is a picture of God himself. All of humanity chooses not good in the Garden of Eden. Now enemies of God, we are deserving of his wrath. And yet his gentle answer and solution is to send his son to die on our behalf so that we could avoid this wrath. Jesus himself said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It is the very picture of God. We deserve his wrath, and yet his gentle answer is Jesus Christ. And now, as believers, we live out and embody that same thing. And I'm not going to take vengeance on my own. I'm going to try my hardest to give gentle answers, avert the difficult situation and the wrath that comes, and let God take it from why don't you bow your head, close your eyes with me. I wonder if you're here and you're new to this whole uh, thing called Christianity, you're wondering what's your first step. Your first step is just to respond to the God's gentle answer. Wrath of God could be, could be, could be in directionally where you're headed, but if you will respond to the gentle answer of Jesus Christ, it doesn't have to be. You could come to Christ and overt the wrath that's headed your direction. For the rest of us, God has called us. If you're a believer, God has called us to those gentle answers to turn away wrath. Whatever conflict situation you are in, you find yourself in, whether it's with your spouse, with your children, people above you, below you, people at school, your workplace, those difficult situations where you're feeding, feeling that heated upness in your heart, the tension is building how can I find calm humility to say what I need to say and then let God do the rest? He's God. I'm not. I don't need to be in control of this one. I can let him be in control of it. Father, I'm thankful for the people you put in our lives that uh, remind us of just that, that you are God and we are not, that in our godly 
ness, we would never do the things that we're thinking about doing. You place those people at just the right time and at the right place, and oftentimes, just like David, we can listen and we can see it and we can turn about before there's any bloodshed and any blood guilt. Would you allow us to embody that in our lives? Would you allow us to be the very picture of God? Then the face of conflict, we can find that gentle response and let you do the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, if you're here and you're, you're um, this Christianity thing's new to you, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you feel drawn like you're, maybe you showed up today because you're just wanted to find out what Christianity was all about. I think that's God pursuing you. If you have that feeling and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, becoming a Christian simply looks like this. It means receiving the forgiveness that he's offering you. God, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He, to make a way for you to be saved and he's offering you this forgiveness and all you have to do is receive it and then turn from the world. We call that repentance. When you turn away from the evil, um, and you start pursuing after Jesus Christ and start following him. If you're ready to do that, um, we just ask that you'd let us know. And the way you let us know is by, um, at the conclusion of the service on your way out, as you exit the lobby on the right-hand side, there's a tent. Um, it says, new to Camp CC, go to that tent. And there are people there ready to talk to you and help you uh, answer any questions. They'll pray with you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you one. We just really want to be with you on this journey towards God. And if you're joining us online, like many do, uh, go to campcc.net and click on Next Steps and just let us know what's going on in your heart. All right? We're going to get back to God now. There's three ways to participate. As you can see on your screen, we consider this part of our worship of the Lord and giving. That's how ministry is supported here. Um, and I just want to say uh, something extra if you're wanting to give towards these mission trips for the month of missions uh, in the when you're online and it says general fund there's a little drop down box you press a little carrot and it'll drop down and there'll be a thing that says community impact if you choose that that'll go towards the month of missions uh, to support our trip to Mexico Eswatini and Romania in 2024 all right with that, let me pray real quick. Lord, thank you for your generosity in our lives. As we sacrificially give towards your ministry, Lord, would you bless it and use it for your purposes. We say this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, check out this video. Hey, KMCC, I'm Megan Terryberry, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at our church. If it's your first time here with us, we are so glad that you were here. Please go to the new at CC tent outside to receive your $5 Starbucks gift card. If it's your second time, make sure you redeem your $10 in and out gift card at the tent as well. If you need a Bible, if you have questions about our church, if you decided to follow Jesus today, or if you need prayer, go to that tent so we can connect with you. Week of February 26th, Camarillo Community Church Christian Child Care Center, 7Cs, registration for the 2024-25 school year will take place for the members of CMCC only. 7Cs is for children 18 months old to pre-kindergarten with after-school care for children kindergarten through fifth grade. For more info, email Elaine at camcc.net. Friday, March 1st, 7 to 9 p.m., Fun Fest, calling all middle schoolers. Check this out, a mechanical bull, carnival games, a dunk tank, giant slides, free food, and $300 worth of giveaways. Register online at camcc.net slash funfest. The cost is $10 per person. March 19th, worship night, 7 p.m., 
a time of prayer, scripture, and worship. You will not want to miss this powerful night. We will introduce some new songs and be playing some classics. Come expecting to encounter hope and transformation through Jesus. And bring your kids. Birth through pre-K, it's PJs and popcorn, so come in your pajamas. In K through five, it's inflatable fun night with inflatable obstacle courses, games, and popsicles. Grab some cards and start inviting your friends. For more info, contact Sam at camcc.net. Plus One. Plus One is our rally cry as a church for 2024 as we focus on one of our core values. In the lobby, you will notice a board where you can write the first name of a person that you want to begin praying for opportunities to invite to church this upcoming year. Once you invite them, place a check next to their name. If they show up, add a plus sign next to their name so that we can celebrate as a church. Who will be your plus one? The Good Friday Experience, March 29th, 6 to 7 p.m. and March 31st, Resurrecting Hope Easter Gatherings at 9 and 10.45 a.m. Can you believe that Easter's in March? Be praying over your neighborhood. This is a great time to invite your plus one. If you need prayer today, we will have our prayer team up in front willing to pray for you at the conclusion of our gathering. going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to camcc.net. Hi everyone, my name is Kristen Benson, and I'm part of the Young Adults Ministry here at CamCC. Something I got out of the message was, when we humble ourselves, when we humble ourselves that's how we find victory over conflict. Thank you all for coming today. Don't forget we have donuts and coffee out in the patio, so don't forget to grab one. See you all next week.